Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to church. I love Jesus. Come on, anybody else in the room just know he's a God worthy of all of our... Why don't we just do that a little longer right now? We worship you, Lord. We give you praise and glory. God is so good. I, I love the Lord and I love, his, uh, I love his, his, his house, his people. I love this church. Aren't you grateful for uh, Valley Life? And man, we don't talk enough about Valley Life and Bel Vernon and uh, Becca and their team and uh, what they're doing and uh, just so grateful uh, for uh, what God is doing in lives. And um, uh, those individuals, those men, they're part of that home, part of this house. They serve here, they're here. Uh, and uh, they've got stories of what Jesus brought them out of, but their story's all together different now because of what Jesus did in their lives. How many know he's the God of the turnaround, amen? He makes all things new. Well, uh, welcome to church. We're, uh, we're glad that you're here, glad that you're staying warm with us. Uh, aren't you glad we don't have church in a tent? You know, I'm even glad that they, you know, they make the sides for the tents, and they even have the ability to put a little... Uh, uh, fire in the middle and pipe it out and you could have fire. I'm so glad we came a long way. Aren't you glad someone wasn't like, well, we built a wood stove. We can keep warm. We're good enough. Aren't you glad somebody kept going? I mean, I'm, I'm glad you could have the wood stove. You can stay warm, but I'm glad somebody said, let's keep going. I'm glad somebody wasn't like, you know what? We've added a couple layers to this wool thing and the cotton, and this will keep people warm. We're good. I'm so glad somebody went a little further. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I'm glad that somebody went even further to the point that they're like, we can create a whole system that can pipe, uh, uh, that can pump some hot air into all parts of your room that you don't just need to have the wood stove. When I would go visit Grandma Stonecipher, we would go to the kitchen in the winter because you didn't leave the kitchen because that's the only place the heat went. It was a wood stove that was in the kitchen. She cooked on it. I'm like, you're old. Yep, 44 years old. So uh, some of you know even longer than I know, but I, grandma would cook on the wood stove. You would have heat, and the other place you get heat is in their bedroom because there was the pipe that went right up to the, through their bedroom, so it kept their room warm. Everywhere else in the house was cold. I'm glad somebody said, let's keep going. Let's keep going. You know what? There's a church that God is raising up that says, yeah, God's taken us to great things in the past, but let's keep going. Let's keep going. There's, there, we've gone some places. God's done great things, but let's keep going. Let's not stop now. God has great things. We believe he's raising the church up, has been, and continuing. He's got things, this great expanse, and we'd step into new opportunities, new discoveries, new, new moments that God wants for the church that we can keep moving. I want to look in Joshua chapter 14, and we're going uh, to talk about an old man who did a new thing. Just look at your neighbor and tell him you're not that old. God's not done with the church. God's not done moving. It doesn't matter how old you feel, how, how, whatever that is, God's not done with you. Somebody say amen. amen. Joshua chapter 14, the church is still moving, living and active. Uh, why don't we stand together? As we look at this word, I want to say welcome to uh, my friend, Pastor Roland Moss, who a uh, uh, former pastor here in Uniontown at the uh, Grace Brethren Church. Uh, he and his wife are making a move at this stage in life, to be missionaries to Alaska. And so uh, they're going to be meeting with our missions team today, but we're honored to have you, Pastor Roland Moss, great brother, served in this community for a number of years, and uh, grateful for his friendship and what the Lord is doing 
in his life, and uh, good to have you with us, and we look forward to connecting with you this afternoon with our missions team. Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6, uh, Caleb is making a request to the Lord, or, or to, uh, to Joshua. Uh, Caleb was part of the spies that went out to spy out the land, and um, God had promised them Israel. He promised, he gave them a name before he gave them a place. I think that's important because it's important to know God knows you before he has a place for you. Some of us think our identity is found in our place. No, he named you before he put you there. You are not identified because of the place he put you. You're identified because you are created in his image. He called him Israel before he gave him a place called Israel. Before Israel was a country, it was a people. Someone in the room needs to know today, God's not waiting for you to get in position. He's loved you long before. He's just waiting to get where you belong in him. He's got a place for you, but he doesn't love you because of the place he has for you. He loves you because you belong to him. He named you before he gave a place for you. He had a place for Israel all the while, and uh, they were going to be divided into their tribes, and uh, there was a process for this. Caleb is a part of this here in, in uh, Joshua chapter 14, and Caleb makes a request. Verse 6, it says, A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and about me when we were at Kadesh Barna, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barna to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. Somebody say honest report. I gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me, because there were 12 of them total, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, gave one report, and then 10 others gave another report. The others, the other 10 who went with me, frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Somebody say wholeheartedly followed. I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised to me, Moses swore to me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well and kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, Today I am 85 years old. I, I love this. I had to mention it. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, don't you notice and recognize that Caleb didn't say while we were wandering in the wilderness? He said while Israel was. He's like, Caleb, weren't you a part of that? Caleb's like, no, the world was wandering, but I wasn't. I was holding on to the promise. While they were wandering and trying to figure out what God, I was holding on to the, I love that Caleb separated himself. Some of you need to separate yourself from some wanderers. Some people need to separate you. You got, just because the world's wandering doesn't mean you need to. Oh, that's a word for somebody in the room today. Just because you're a part of a world, don't know where they're going, don't know what they're doing, just trying to figure it out as they go. Caleb said, no, Israel was wandering. I was holding on to the promise. I was waiting. They were wandering. I was waiting. How many are here today? You say, no, I'm not wandering. I'm waiting. I'm holding on to the promise. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, I might need an organ to start preaching. I've never done that before. I don't know. Can we even do that here? Oh, I don't, I don't even know how that would work. Anyway, he says, while Israel was wandering, uh, he says, uh, you know, back here, where was I? Yeah, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. 
and I can still travel and fight as well as I, I could then. So give me the hill country. Mm, give us the heart like Caleb. He says, give, us, give me the hill country, for the Lord promised it to me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in the great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. How many know just as the Lord said? That's key right there. Just as the Lord said, verse 13, so Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenesites, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. How many catch a theme there? He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Previously, Hebron had been called Kirith Arba, and it had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak. But how many know God gave it a new name? And the land had rest from war. God, I pray that we would walk in the promise that you have for us today. God, that when the world wanders, God, that we'll hold on. That we'll wait. That God will stand in the promise of our God because it will prevail. It will come about. It will be done. So, Lord, today, give us the mountain. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, why don't you say amen? High five somebody beside you today and tell them do not disturb. The next 30 minutes, we got a message. There's a word. I believe God wants to speak to your heart. Do not disturb. They even make the button on the phone that you can set it to do not disturb. You can just wait a couple minutes. I, you, I know you've got a text message, but do not disturb. I set this in place. I, that's the title I want to preach from today. Do not disturb. Jody said to me a number of years ago, she said, you need a hobby. I didn't know what she was really trying to say. That was like, you need to get out of my hair. But it wasn't. It was a, uh, you need a hobby because we recognize everything in my life centered around, uh, around the church. And I got to be honest with you. I'm addicted to the presence of God and what Jesus is doing on the earth today. I love, I love seeing what God is doing around the earth and what God is, is uh, moving in. And, and I, I said to her, we finally realized I do have a hobby. My hobby is traveling. I love to travel. And so even when I travel, we go visit other churches. Uh, last weekend, went out to Los Angeles to visit our son and his wife and, and went to Fearless Church in, in LA. And, and uh, this church right uh, underneath an underpass, uh, the uh, 101 uh, there in LA. And uh, right underneath the underpass, right across from their entrance is a homeless uh, camp. And uh, they are declaring the love of Jesus Christ right there in the heart of Los Angeles, downtown, and to see what God is doing. I love to travel and see what God's doing around the world. I've recognized, though, that uh, it, it's had an effect on us because to this point now, all of our kids upon graduation, they move states away. And so I'm thinking it's now had an effect because we've exposed them to traveling. And so they travel and they, they go other places and then they graduate and move, and uh, I'm trying to negotiate a deal with Jordan that she stays local. So far, not good. She's going a couple states away within her planning and her idea, but that's part of what it is. You know, you, they, they have other places they live, so I get to travel to go see them. I guess it's all how you look at it, uh, but the, the goal, you raise them up, you send them out, and hopefully when they return, it's not to my finished basement. That's the, that's the hope, and uh, if, we, if we do this, uh, but I love to travel. One of the things that when we, we travel, I've been trying to talk Jody into, and by talking, I think it's talked to myself. It's not gone anywhere. Uh, I said, we should get ready to purchase an RV and travel from here out west and hit the Dakotas and go out. I, I may think it's a great idea. Yeah, 
uh, Jody's phone number is seven, I'm just kidding, <laughs> text her and tell her this is a great idea. Um, but, but to her, uh, to her point then to me is they make hotels, you know, it's like they have, they have hotels. And so we travel, we stay in a hotel and whenever we, we get to the hotel, this is the habit. And, and it's like, everybody knows the habit in the family. And now it's just her and I, uh, most of the time we travel, you get to the hotel, you swipe the card, you get into the room. Jody takes the placard from the inside of the hotel door and puts it to the outside of the door and says, do not disturb. Now, some of you are getting uncomfortable and you're thinking there's other reasons, but the reason that do not disturb is because Jody's expecting I'm going to rest and I don't want anyone coming to the door in the morning to announce that they're with housekeeping. I have a plan to rest, and because I want my rest to be uninterrupted, I want to be at a place of rest. I'm putting the outside world on notice. Do not disturb. Some people in the room today, you need to put the world on notice and even remind yourself God has a purpose and a plan, so do not disturb because my God is working, and he's accomplishing something in my life. He's not done working, and I've got to be reminded that though it lingers, Though the promises of God tarry, do not be disturbed. Don't get disturbed. Don't let the enemy disturb you because God's not done working on your behalf. That you can say with confidence, God, give me the mountain. God, give us the hill. He's not done working in our midst. Here is this this series as we kicked it off. We said that expanse, moving into an expanse, the great expanse, it it means an uninterrupted flow of space, of of land, of sky. It means to stand and see for miles and miles a a great expanse, that we believe it's such a great expanse that God's not done using the church. All of what God wants to do has not yet been accomplished. How many agree with me? Just like the wood stove, it wasn't done. How many are thankful somebody didn't stop there? They kept inventing something. How many are glad we still don't lug around typewriters? I went to uh, college in 95, and the year I went to college, they started in the library, the Internet Cafe. I don't even think they said cafe. It wasn't even that cool yet. It was just the Internet room. And so when I went to college and I had to write a paper, I saved up my money to buy a word processor. How many know what I'm talking about? I had the word processor, had a little cover on it, and then I would unplug it, wrap up the cord, put it inside. It wasn't even a wireless word processor. It was a portable word processor. And I would carry that thing from my, my school, and I worked across the street at the Hennepin County uh, uh, parking garage in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I would carry that thing with me. I was stuffed, man. I'm a college student. I got my word processor. I'd set that thing up. How many are thankful somebody didn't stop and like, you know what? We have a word processor. You can carry it with you and you can type real fast. We're good. How many, you got more ability within your smartphone. Why? Because someone said, let's not stop. I think the church needs to say, let's not stop. And let's not camp out where we've been. Let's not just recite. Let's keep going. God has an expanse, new opportunities, new things. We're not going to change the gospel. The gospel is always going to be the good news of Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost. That those who are dead in their sins and their trespasses have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, how do you know that's the message of the gospel that doesn't get any better? The message isn't going to change, but there's a new opportunity, new expanse. There's new places. There's room for churches in Brownsville, in Point Marion, and in Bell Vernon. There's room to see God do more and greater things. It's not time to stop. When you move into the great expanse, there's, there's this opportunity to be uninterrupted. But I want you to know that in the process of moving into what God has, there are going to be things that will try and interrupt you. 
There's going to be things that are moving in our, in our, in our moments that will try and interrupt. And this is Caleb having the passion and the call of God that Caleb says to Joshua while they're figuring out who gets land. This was the process that, that they would cast lots. And casting lots was, you know, some would say, well, it's kind of like gambling. No, the idea is they did things knowing they had to make a godly decision, but doing it in a way that trusting God to decide the details and put together the process. How many know you and I make decisions that we don't always know the full outcome, but we step out in faith and trust God to work out all the details, right? And so they're casting lots to see who would get land. Here Caleb shows up and Caleb says, hey, uh, before you get started, let me remind you of something. Caleb says, hey, I want to remind you that Moses said, I get the land. So I'm here today to make the request, give me the hill country. Give me the mountain. Give me this specific place. Caleb was a part of a group that was sent out as scouts. It was their version of the Corps of Discovery that we kicked off the series with. The Corps of Discovery being Lewis and Clark's expedition as they set out with a group of people to explore beyond the Mississippi. They launched their boat from here, the Mon area, the, the, the Monongahela, and they literally explored land that through the, the Louisiana Purchase doubled the land mass and the size of America. I believe God wants to raise up a church of scouts that'll go out into the land and see a double portion of greater things of what God wants to do. And God wants to do it right here in this valley and in this region and in this area. Is there anybody who believes God's raising up the church in a great moment in a time like this? That be a part of something moving forward. Here, Caleb and Joshua, they're a part of this 45 years later. They come back with a report. Moses sent them. God said to Moses, go ahead and send them. It wasn't God's plan from the very beginning for them to scout out the land. Well, why did they scout out the land? Because there were some of them like, are we sure? And so God said, okay, send some scouts. And so God said, send 12 out, one for each tribe, and have them see the land. Because I'm telling you, the land that I'm going to send you to is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to have fertile ground. It's going to be a good place. Go see. And so Moses, of course, calls them together according to God's word and says, go out and scout out the land. They come back with a report. In Numbers chapter 13, this is the report. And I just want to read it to you because this is the report that they brought back. And Caleb was a part of this. Verse 27, it says this. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Now, let me point out, they say this, indeed, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Why do they say indeed? Because they're like, yep, you're right. Yep. God said, go see if the land isn't fertile, if it's not good, if it's good soil, you'll see, yep, indeed it is. It's a land just like God said, flowing with milk and honey. And there's even this kind of fruit. Well, the Bible says that they carried on a pole clusters of grapes because the grapes were so large. I don't know, we can't, you know, exaggerate, you know, like, I caught a fish this big. And so, I, you know, it's like, I don't think the grapes are the size of people's heads. But it says the clusters were so large and they had to carry, it was that kind of fruit. They're giving the report. They're like, yep, God's right. Yep, it's a good land. Yep, there's a great opportunity. Yes, there is. In verse 28, it produces great fruit, but the people living there. How many know sometimes buts get in the way? Yep, just what God said, but... Yeah, I know that's what God's word said, but. Yeah, I know that's God's promise, but. Yeah, I know that, but. And sometimes instead of taking hold and stepping in to the promise, we allow ourselves to be interrupted and disrupted in the buts that come along. 
And there's some things maybe that's interrupting and disrupting the, the purpose, the things that God wants to produce in your life. They said, yeah, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. I love that. The giants are in the hill country. What did Caleb say 45 years later? Give me the hill country. I'll take the place. The very thing that people are afraid of, I'll confront it. I'll walk in the power and the promise of what God has given. Give me that place. The place where everybody said, I don't want to touch it. Caleb said, I'll go. I'll go. Send me. I'll give it to me. I'll take it. The promise of God. Here's what he, what he says, that they're in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. So the people are saying, this isn't going to work. There's too many giants. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. The, the scripture says he cried out that he's saying to people, let's go. Let's take the land. We can conquer it. I wonder, while everybody else is saying, you know, there's giants. There's things that are there. Caleb is shouting out and crying out. Oh, but guys, God gave us a promise. We can do that. I wonder if people in the room were like, Caleb, Caleb. Settle down, Caleb. How many know there's always that Caleb that's just too passionate? You know, you're, you're, Caleb, Caleb, you're taking it way too serious. Caleb, you're, you're taking this promise way too serious. Settle down, Caleb. Trust him a little bit, not all the way. Make it, make it palatable to what, to, Caleb, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 Caleb, settle down. Well, I wonder if there's some Caleb's. They're like men crying on the side of the, the road that said, son of David, have mercy. And people, oh, shh, 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 no, 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 no. They say, Jesus comes along and says, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to give me the hill. I want you to give me the promise. I want you to give me what you have paid for, what you've made possible. And there's Caleb sometimes that they're just passionate. Let's be honest, that sometimes the passionate people are like, settle down a little bit. Oh, God, let us be a church that takes his word serious. Am I talking to anybody today? If he said it, that's what I'm standing on. I don't, I'm not going to change it because culture says. I'm not going to move because of this. I'm going to stand on what his word says. And if you made it up along the way and that's what you did in tradition, I'm not doing your tradition. I'm doing the, the, the word of God. I don't want religion. I want the truth of God's word. I want, I'm going to stand on what his word says. Caleb is crying out. And as Caleb cries out, he's trying to convince the people. Guys, we can do this. God has given us a promise. But the other men who had explored the land with Caleb disagreed. They can't go up against them. We can't go. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there to live. Wait a minute. The land that has milk and honey and is just like God promised. Yeah, anybody who goes there, they're going to die. You're going to die. What report are you spreading? What, what report is it that, that, that's being spread? And he makes this point as they're saying this. He said, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The people we saw were huge next to them. Notice this. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they felt too. So you're holding the promise of God hostage, or you're sabotaging the promise of God in your life because of how you feel and what other people think? How many have lived life long enough to realize that just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it is a certain way? Amen. Anybody matured long enough? I mean, you remember when in third grade or whatever it was, somebody broke up with you? That was painful. But I'm sure someone along the way was like, 
you'll be fine. I mean, what I'm talking about. I mean, if they crushed you in third grade, they broke up with you, it's all good. Now, in the moment when you're young, you don't feel like it's all good because you feel. But how many know when you mature? Oh, I tell you the word of the year is God give us maturity. Man, man, I've said, said this already, and I love this answer. Um, was at a meeting uh, with uh, um, some pastors. Actually, it was in Nashville with uh, Paul Bergen and some other uh, pastors that were gathered there. And uh, again, Paul's going to be with the week of refresh. Um, uh, 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 the pastor of Voo Church, Rich Wilkerson Jr., was, uh, was sharing. And uh, they asked the question, what, what was um, the hardest thing about leading in 2020? With the pandemic, the unrest, blah, blah, blah. And I loved his answer because it so struck. I'm like, that's it. He said the hardest part of 2020 was realizing we didn't make as, ma- as mature Christians as we thought we did. And we, did not make disi- we did not disciple mature Christians like we thought we did. We, it revealed the tension. The di- it revealed we have immature be- believers. And, um, man, I heard that. And I said, God, in 20, in this, this year, and this is one of the things that, by God's grace, God, help us to make deep-rooted, foundational, fundamental, strong in the word of God, in the presence of God, strong believers, believers of Jesus Christ. Amen. They don't live according to their feelings or according to what people think. So you're going to sabotage the promise of God to take the land because of how you feel and because of what someone thinks. We felt like grasshoppers, and they thought the same thing too. It's interesting to me when I have conversations with some people. <laughs> and have you ever been in a, in a conversation that gets a little heated, you know, and trying to confront something, and the person says, well, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, you don't. The moment someone tries to read my mind, I sometimes don't even know what I'm thinking. So how do you? But the moment you can inject what someone thinks, you can create your own narrative. Because it's true to me. I'm not asking you what's true to you. I'm asking what is true according to his word. Because if I'm going to live by how I feel and by what people think, I'm never going to walk into the promise that God has for me. Some of us are wandering with some people. And while the world's wandering, oh God, we're holding on to a promise and we're waiting. We're waiting in this process. Here's what, what I love about Caleb. It says of Caleb, he had a different report. When everybody else said, we're not going to do it, we can't make it. Uh, Caleb had this promise. Listen to what he says in Numbers uh, 14. It says of Caleb, the Lord says this of Caleb through Moses, but my servant Caleb, and I pray this over this house. Listen to this. Caleb has a different attitude. The spirit on him is different than the spirit on the other people. Look at your neighbor and say, you need, a, you need a different attitude. I don't know how that settles, how that let the Holy Spirit just weave that whatever it needs to be. But God, give us a different attitude than the world. That, that our attitude would be different. Listen to what he says. He says, my servant Caleb has a different attitude than others have. He has remained loyal to me. He has remained uninterrupted, continuing, not disturbed, moving forward. He has remained Loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. Here's the promise. I'm going to bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. I pray that God would help us have a different attitude like Caleb. God, give us an attitude, not not moved by our feelings and by other people's thoughts, but our attitude is, Lord, if you said it, then I'm holding on to it. 
If it's what you said, then that's what I'm believing. If it's your word, I might wait 45 years, but I'm not going to let anything disrupt. Do not disturb because I'm standing on the promise of God and I'm not going to let the world take it from me. I'm not going to let circumstance and situations. How, how, do we, how, how do we do this? I, I want to give you a couple things here, some handles to this. Worship team's going to come, and I believe when we leave here, we're going to leave with, the, with an attitude like Caleb. It says, God, give us the hill country. Give us the high places. Let us see what you want to do, that we would see what you have for us in this moment. Here's, if we're going to be undisturbed, uninterrupted, moving forward, we've got to do this. Number one, we've got to recognize the promise. Learn to recognize the promise. Caleb made this statement. He says to Joshua, he says, I gave an honest report. I gave an honest report. Now, here's what he's saying. He said, I said what I saw. You ever notice that you had that conversation with someone and they're like, well, honestly, do you want me to be honest? No, I want you to lie. Make it up. Honestly. And so here's what, I love that he's saying honestly because he said, I'm giving an honest report, which means I probably didn't give a report that said, oh, what giants? There are no giants. No, I gave an honest report, and here's the honest report. The honest report is, yeah, I saw giants, but the promise of God I also saw because he sent us into the land, not to see if there's giants, but to see if his word is true, and I saw his word is true, so I saw his promise. Let me ask you, in the world surrounding you, do you see God's promise or do you see the world's problems? What do you identify more? What has your attention? What is it that has your, oh, well, we can't do it. We, we, you know, we've got a pandemic, an endemic. We've got a, I don't know, another variant. We've got, we've got inflation. We've got, we've, got, we've got the wrong person in the White House. We've got the other person might come back to the White House. No, we can't do this. We, we got, what, what are we seeing? And here it is, they go into the land, and while everyone else saw the giants, and this is what is interesting, God did not say, go into the land and see if you can do it. He said, go into the land and see if my word's true. He never said, go see if they're giants. He only said, go see if what I'm saying to you is not true. Go see if it's not a land flowing with milk and honey. They come at, yeah, it is, but, but what have you conditioned your eyes to see? Because how many know you can train yourself to see what you need to see? Some of us have been conditioned in life to always see problems. To always see the negative. To always see, well, it's never goes for me. It's always just like this way. It's always going to be. It's just how it is. They don't like me. They don't, uh, they don't recognize. They don't see me. They quit waiting for people to see you and all you need to do is see him. Amen. Some of you will be set free today when you quit worrying about people seeing you. Nobody sees me. Here's the problem. Once they do, it'll never be enough. Once you do get seen, nobody recognizes, nobody cares, nobody knows, nobody... You're waiting for someone to see you. The answer is not for people to see you. The answer is for you to see him. When you get your eyes on him, when you know who he is, he allows you to start seeing people differently. Now you don't see people for what you need from them. You see people for what God has for them. And now you begin to call things out of people. And listen, what you begin to do, you begin to build people up. Guess what happens when you build people up? You attract people. So the very thing you wanted was to be recognized now happens in a godly manner. Because it's not wrong to receive. It's just better to give than to receive. Do you hear that? There are some people like, well, I don't want to get anything. I just got to give. Well, that's called poverty. If you don't have anything. So the Bible doesn't say you should only give and never receive. No, it's better to give than to receive. Because you still receive, 
but you'll get what you're looking for when you do it God's way. So instead of waiting for people to recognize you, how about you recognize God? And when you recognize God, he'll give you eyes to recognize people. You'll call greatness out of them. And when you call greatness out of them, you'll win them not only to you, but to Jesus. And the very thing you want will happen in a godly way and not in a selfish way. That was free. I didn't share that in any other service. So I kind of feel like you guys got like an extra bonus there or something. Bonus round. (laughs) Get more money or something. Uh, since you get more money as you leave today in the offering, we'd like. Re- <laughs> How do we see things? What what is what is getting our attention? Here's the importance of what gets our attention. When he says, "I honestly, I gave an honest report," it's how you see something, and how you see something reveals what's in your heart. The eyes are the gate. The Bible says Jesus said it's it's it receives light. The eyes take things in. The heart is where it all grows, and the mouth reveals what's, what it grew into. Okay, so I saw the land. There are giants and God's promise. It's all there. How you see it now causes the heart to fester. Because they saw giants, how many know through the eyes they saw giants? Now, because they didn't see the promise, they saw giants. Now the heart is filled with every reason why this won't work. And so what did they say? Every reason this won't work. But what Caleb see, Caleb saw, yeah, there's giants in the land, but I see the promise. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's just like he said. I see the promise. Therefore, now the promise nurtures the heart, and now the mouth begins to speak the promise and not the problem. If you want to know what's in your heart, listen to your words. If you want to know what is in your heart, listen to your words. The way you talk reveals what's in your heart. And you have an option today. You're walking in a world of promises, a great expanse. There's a great opportunity in front of you. And guess what? Both are on the horizon. The problem and the promise. Which one are you going to focus on? Which one are you going to zoom in on? Which one are you going to set the, you, you know, that, that quarter machine, you stand with that telescope on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the ledge, and you put that quarter, it's probably up to 75, inflation. It's probably going up to a dollar now. You, you put those coins in there, and then you, fo- what are you focusing on? Because some of you are focusing, sometimes we're focusing on the problem, and guess what? It begins to fester the heart, and now the words that come out. Let me say this to you. Be careful what you speak. What's in your heart will be what you speak. Listen what Numbers 14, 28 says. This, the Lord says to them, now tell them this. Who's them? The other 10 spies who were in the land. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Ooh. Did you hear that? I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Well, what did I hear you say? I heard you say, if anyone goes into that land, they'll be devoured. They'll never make it. They'll die. Guess what God said? Speak it. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Be careful what you speak. Be careful what you speak into existence. Oh, I'll never, this marriage will never be any better. It'll never, you'll never be right. It'll never be good enough. It'll never be. Be careful what you speak. I'll never have enough money. I'll always be taken advantage of. I'll never get, get recognized. Everybody will always be out. Be careful what you speak. Because the very thing you speak, the, the, the scripture says this. He says, you will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in this registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Why do they have an exception? Because they had a different attitude. 
There's an exception because they had a different attitude. What is it that we're looking at? We, we got to be careful what it is that we're seeing because if you want to know what's in your heart, listen to how you talk. So on the horizon, there's a great expanse. There's a great promise. And along with the promise, there are going to be some problems. Which one are you focusing on? God, help us to recognize the promise. Here's number two. God, help us to not only recognize the promise, but to remain in the promise. It was spoken of Caleb, of himself, and by others that he wholeheartedly followed God. Wholeheartedly. To do something wholeheartedly means to be decisive from the very beginning. My whole heart is in this. And because my whole heart is in this, even when it gets hard, I'm going to keep going. When there are people who are wholeheartedly, you know, I heard this rumor that Tom Brady is going to retire. Is it real? Have they confirmed it yet? I don't even know. It's just fun to talk about. Um, Tom Brady, this, this stinks for me to say this. I hate it. But he is the best athlete who has ever been in professional sports. Oh, Lord, cleanse my tongue. I'm kidding. <laughs> this man, here's, uh, you, know the, you know what I really hate about this? The dude is two weeks younger than me. Don't laugh. Be nice. <laughs> he's two weeks younger than I am. Yeah, he's like Caleb. I'm 44 years old and I still got the strength. You go, Tom. I don't got that. <laughs> But there's something about perseverance and commitment. His whole heart is in football. Why? Because you know to only go that long and to give it all you've got is because your whole heart is in it. I want to ask you today, does God have your whole heart? Or does it only take a couple giants popping their head to get you to back off the promise that God gave you? Well, I thought God said we could. I thought, but I don't know. I thought God said it could get better. I thought God said it could be restored. I thought God said, I, I, yeah, I thought so, but I don't know. But when you remain, your heart is convinced. I, I, have, I have been wholeheartedly uh, committed to my wife for 25 years this year. And for 25 years, it doesn't mean that we made a decision 25 years ago and said, and it will never have any problems along the way. Some, I know some of you are surprised that we've ever had any tension because, I mean, how could she ever have tension living with me? <laughs> that was a joke. But it's in the, the process that when we remained, it became stronger. There are going to be testings that come in life's moments. God's promise is going to have testings. Some people are like, if God was good, then why do bad things happen? Because we live in a sinful world and sin has caused things to corrupt. And because it's not perfect is the reason we need God. And if it was perfect, you wouldn't look for him. If it was perfect, you wouldn't need him. If you didn't ever have to walk through something of testing. Can I tell you, testing is not to remove you from the promise, but to reinforce the promise. There's a testing. Here's what Caleb knew. Caleb knew I can test God's word. I know some people are like, no, the Bible says not to test the Lord your God. Yeah, notice the difference. Don't test the Lord your God, but you can test his word. Don't test the Lord your God. What's testing the Lord your God? Testing the Lord your God is to do whatever you want and just expect God to make it all work out in the end. That's testing the Lord. But the Bible does say to test his word. 
In fact, specifically in Malachi, he talks about giving. He says, test me in this. Test me and see if this is, he's not testing me. He, he's not saying test me and just throw yourself out there and see if I'll just make it work out for you. No, test me in that do what my word says. How many know Caleb remained because he learned I'm going to test his word and every time I test his word, he shows himself faithful and because he shows himself faithful, I can hold stronger and remain. God will be faithful when you test his word. I can tell you, I have tested the word of God. I didn't test God, but I tested his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word? So let me ask you, what are you standing on today? What is it that you're standing on? Because when it's all said and done, the giants are going to fall. But I'm not falling with them because I'm standing on a promise that he's made. And because I'm standing, even in the testing, that we can take God at his word, that we can trust him. What is it that you're wholeheartedly, listen, you will not remain in what doesn't have your whole heart. If your whole heart is not in it, how many know you won't remain? If your whole heart is not in it, if your whole heart is not, it is your heart, does he have your heart? You can test him in this. Numbers 14 says, not one of these people, these 10 that went into the land, not one of them will enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Notice this, their salvation wasn't because they saw miracles. You can see all the miracles, but miracles won't save you. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ. So be careful we're not searching for miracles when miracles will come and miracles will go. How many know even Lazarus raised from the dead, he still died later? Miracles will come, miracles will go. The word, the presence of God is what remains and that we remain in his word that we test God I love this this uh worship team's coming we're, we're going to close um with this but uh Moses swore to him and this word swore in the Hebrew is similar to the word where we that we get seven and how many know seven means the number of perfection it means perfection to complete with perfection that on the seventh day God rested it's a number of completion but with perfection by design um, and he swore, and it's a similar number to God's promise to do it by design. Can I say to you today that when you hold on to God's promise, it might not look the way you thought, but it'll be just like he designed. Amen. It might not be the way you thought it would be, but it will be with his design. And that he will work all things for this purpose. Here's the last thing. The last thing is if we're going to have a different attitude like Caleb, we have to rest in his promise. Here's what's resting in his promise is when we have this confidence and we know that we can, we can remain resting in what God has said. Remember what it says of Caleb, that he was 45 years older now, so he's 85 years old, and he says, I'm as strong today as I was then. That's some good rest. <laughs> That's some good rest. Do you know what will take away your rest? Stress, worry, when you live with this fear and worry, how many know that the more you worry, you lose hair? I promise it's just genetics, but uh, my, my, uh, my kids named it Paul. That's my bald spot. So they will greet me from behind and say, hey, Paul. And so I just go with it. Why am I telling you that? I, that was stupid. I should not have done that. If I hear anybody say, 
hey, Paul, from behind. And Drew, you're just the guy to do it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You just. Worry will take some of your life away. But here's, here's Josh or Caleb. He has strength because he's rested. How can he rest? Because he doesn't have to worry about what's happening. He didn't even complain about what's going on and wandering in the wilderness. He was just waiting and holding on because he knew he had God's promise. And when you know you have a promise, how many know it takes away the worry? It's kind of like the kid on the, on the, uh, the playground, the kid that's getting bullied on the playground, and another kid comes up a little bigger than that kid, and he's like, hey, I'm going to fight you. And if the other kid who is smaller says, bring it on, we're like, that's crazy. Don't do it. But what you don't know is that he has an older brother two grades ahead of him who is on the same playground. How many know because that smaller kid knows he's got an older brother hanging on on the playground, if that bully says, I'm going to beat you up, and he stands up and says, go ahead. What's his rest, his confidence? Because he knows he's got an older brother that's on the same playground and knows how to fight his battles. You've got an older brother on the same playground that when the enemy says, we've got giants in the land, okay, give, it, give, me, the, give me the hill country. We've got opposition, okay. We've got, you've got difficulty. All right, bring it on. Give me the hill country. Give me the land because I've already got his promise. And if I've got his promise, he won't let me fail. Here's the promise. The promise of God that he works all things together for good. I would rather notice this and I want to close with this. Here is all the people of Israel are getting land. They're getting property. And notice how they're getting it by casting lots. And it's by God's plan we're trusting, you know, they're casting lots and it's just getting assigned to people. But Caleb comes along and while everybody else is getting provision, Caleb gets an assigned property. When everybody else is getting something along the way, Caleb is getting something promised to him. It's one thing to live with provision because how many know God will always provide? It's another thing to live with promise. What's the difference? All of Israel lived with provision. God, get us through. God, get us through. God, get us through. And I wonder if God wants to mature us from a people of just living on provision, God, get me through, to living on promise, God, I know you'll never fail. Well, let, me, let me say that again. Provision says, God, get me through. Promise says, God, you'll never fail. How many know it's a whole different attitude when you say, God, get me through it, or say, God, I know you won't fail? How many know that's a whole different attitude, that I'm not living on provision, I'm living on promise? I've got his promise, and if his promise, if my God is for me, then who can be against me? Every weapon formed against me will not prosper, that God is for me, I'm the head and not the tail. My God won't let me fail. That's a promise. Oh, but there's giants. There's difficulty. Oh, I know. But I'm not looking at the problem. I'm looking at the promise. Because the God I serve, yes, I've got hurt. Yes, I've got difficulty. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's opposition. But I know his promise, and I haven't seen it yet. And while everybody else is wandering, I'm waiting, and I'm holding on. Because I'm holding on to the promise. And as I hold on, I know he's bringing me to a good place. And I can stand in this hour and in this moment. Give me the hill country. 
because I know my God is for me. I wonder if there's anybody else with the heart of an attitude like Caleb. Say, God, I'm going to walk on your promise. I don't want to just live with provision. I want you to take that with you today. Don't just live with provision. Live with promise. Provision, hope I make it. Promise, I'll never fail. And before you say that's arrogance, no, it's not. Because my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And if my God is for me. Some of us need to trade the attitude of provision for the attitude of a promise that God is for you. Would you stand with me today? We're going to close. And I I pray that faith will rise. I I know I'm not where you are. You might say, Jason, you don't know what I'm walking through. You You don't know the giants in the land. You don't know the things that are coming against me. I know I don't know, but here's what I do know. I do know his word. And if you want to try and convince me that your problem is greater than his word, sorry, I'm with Caleb on this one. I'm standing with Caleb on this one. Yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, there are. Yeah, and I might not know the giants in your territory. I don't know what they are. I know I don't know your giants. I'm not at all going to try and pretend. And sometimes that's, that's the danger we get into is we try to have empathy more than we have empowerment. Empathy's not bad. But if all we have is empathy, we've got nothing. Because all empathy by itself does is, well, let me get in the pit with you. Let me drown with you. No, 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 no. I'm going to have empathy, but I know the empowerment of our God. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to remain in this place. I know. I don't know what the giant is. I don't know if it's a Hittite, the the Jerbosite, Gergoth, whatever site you got. I don't know what it is. But I know whatever it is, it's nothing compared to the word of God. It's nothing compared to his promise. So I don't know if you feel comfortable doing this right now. But why don't you just raise up your hand right now and take hold of that promise. I'm going to see a victory. Come on, we're going to declare this. And as we worship, even in this moment, you're just lifting your hand. Say, God, I'm holding on to the promise. I'm holding on. I'm holding on to your word. I'm going to stand on the promise. Come on.